0: You know, it is good to see somebody in church get excited about something. Isn't that good? (laughs) For those of you who carefully pour over your worship order and notice everything, you notice we've already had one little thing uh, glitched today. And you're also going to notice that um, the sermon text I'm about to read is not the one that is printed in your worship bulletin. I could give you an explanation for that, but I'm not. So you're, <laughs> if that bothers you, I'm sorry. Just deal with it, okay? <laughs> Let's be standing, please. We're going to hear a very important word from Jesus. You know, the Gospel of John, Jesus tells the whole life story of Jesus. Uh, John tells the whole life story of Jesus uh, in, in 21 chapters. And, and so much of it is just those first few chapters. And then all of a sudden, he slows down and spends five chapters on that last night. Because there's so much important uh, things happening and so many things that Jesus wanted to say. This is part of it. Verse 25, chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. Jesus says, I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace... I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, I don't know what you were planning to do when you got here today, but what we're going to do, first of all, is take a stress test, all right? Now... I know your doc, when your doctor tells you that, you kind of wince, those of you who have been through it, because you either end up on a treadmill walking along or they strap you down and stick an IV in your arm and let the chemicals do the work. Well, we're not going to do either one of those. We're just going to take a simple test, some questions, all right, and, uh, or complete the statements, fill in the blank type test. And so as we go along, I want you to quietly, silently fill in the blank. Don't give your neighbor the answer, all right? I don't want to hear anything. I just want you to fill in the blanks in our stress test. You ready? Here we go. Number one, I'm ready to throw in the shh. Some of you cannot follow directions. I, didn't I lay that out pretty plainly? All right. All right. Quietly. Just, I'm at the end of my, Right. right. I'm just a bundle of, and my life is falling. All right. Now then. If you put these answers in, then you are someone who is acquainted with stress. It doesn't mean necessarily you're all stressed out right now, but somewhere along the way, you've run into situations where you really are just all stressed out. Now, that's interesting because we know how detrimental stress is to us. So we read studies all the time about what it does to us, how it shortens our lives, how its effect on our health and its effect on everyone around us. And so it's not something that we want, but it's something that keeps coming our way. It's been that way basically forever, Because while in our modern world, we may think that there are more stressors today, and maybe there are. You know, we think back... To simpler times that we've read about before, they had watches and clocks, even uh, much less cell phones and all this other stuff going on. And you know, the time of day was like, well, it's morning, and now it's afternoon, and now the sun went down, and it's night. But we chop it up into seconds, don't we? And we've got everything scheduled, and it's push, 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 and do all these things. And that can take its toll on us. It can really wear on us. But it's really been that way forever. If we look all the way back. To uh, Solomon, as he was uh, writing Proverbs, he said this, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but a red face makes the bones rot. You have to like his graphic nature, don't you? Uh, Just that that, that red face of being stressed out, it, it just eats us alive from the inside out. Well, the Bible talks a lot about finding a heart of peace. And in the Bible, it tells us that we should have the peace of God in our lives. So today we want to spend a few moments in talking about how that can become a reality for us, because just simply telling us, be at peace, or someone just looks at you and says, relax, Yeah, that that doesn't really help much, does it? And it doesn't seem to help much to tell ourselves that. Just, okay, okay, I'm all stressed out, I'm going to relax, relax. Because if you're like me, I'm all tensed up, and the more I tell myself to relax, the more tense I am that I'm not relaxing. And what's going on? Kind of reminds me of a a training manual I heard read one time uh, on jungle survival. And the particular section was on how to survive an attack by an anaconda. Okay, and it, I can't remember all of it. I remember the part was that if the snake wraps itself around your legs, then relax. <laughs> I thought, Yeah, right. and, and it, it, Because you can't get away from it. And as it begins to wrap itself around your body, don't panic, relax. Because your only defense is, is to convince the snake that, that it's already killed you. All right? So as it's wrapping itself around you and begins squeezing, then you have to relax. Yeah, right. How is it that we can relax? How is it that we can find the peace of God that we so hunger for in our lives? Well, one thing we need to do is realize that when the Bible speaks of peace, there's really three different kinds of peace that it's talking about. First of all is spiritual peace, which means peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is just a basic fact of the gospel. This is what the gospel is all about. That because we have come to a part in our lives where we have destroyed our relationship with God through our bad choices, through our rebellions against him, because we don't have a relationship with him, it's really not within our ability to fix that, that we can't do it. And therefore God sent His Son, He came to us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. And through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, peace has been restored whenever we have faith in that and we accept that that's what God has done. And so whenever we read about peace in the Bible, sometimes that's what we're talking about is that this... this relationship of animosity between us and God, this distance that we perceive between us and God has all been bridged and we've been put back together with God through the gospel of Christ and therefore we have peace with God. The second kind of peace that is talked about in Scripture is emotional peace. And this is more talking about the peace of God. This means that that when it finally dawns on us, that it's okay between us and God, and we feel the calmness begin to come into our hearts and into our souls. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let it be the dominant thing in your heart. And the word rule there is interesting because it really is the word to umpire or to judge. Let let the peace of Christ make the decisions for you. And whenever you're in those times of of stress, whenever you're in times of trouble, well, make a decision that it's going to be the peace of Christ, the peace of God that is the dominant aspect in your life. You know, you can accept the peace with God. You can be baptized into the name of Christ. You can believe in him. You can repent. You can do all those things and just say, okay, I'm now over okay with God, but this emotional peace comes when it goes, hey, it's okay between me and God. He really does love me. He really does care for me. He really does watch over me. The third type of peace is relational peace. And this is the peace we have with other people. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with those who are around you. And and this is a great goal and a desire we have is in our relationships with others, whether it be family, friends, or just co-workers or those who we run into on a daily basis, that we have peace with them because we realize that sometimes that's not always the case and so much of the stress in our lives comes from friction that we develop in rubbing up against other people and rubbing them the wrong way and they rub us the wrong way and and we just get all tight. Now the interesting thing is where are we gonna work on this in order to develop the peace that God wants us To have, If you only carry one thing home with you today out of all this talking I'm doing up here, I hope that it's this, that there really is a foundational peace and that if you start in the right place, that peace can become a reality in your life on a daily basis. The interesting thing is that many times when we're dealing with peace, we sort of start at the wrong end of it all. We, we start at the end of the relational peace, or we start working on, well, how do I feel inside of myself? But really the beginning place, the place where it all starts, where the peace of God becomes a possibility, where relational peace becomes a possibility, you got it, it's the first one. It's peace with God. That without that, things are just not going to work. It's like being sick. And only treating your symptoms, you know. If you've got something going on in your body, you can, you can take pain medicine. You can take this and that. That will mask those symptoms and you won't suffer the symptoms for a while. But the disease is still there. And so the foundational area that we go to, the first step is to really address the fact that I need to be at peace with God. That that relationship must be right. Right. And it must be whole. Now, that can really stress you out if you start on that, because, like I said just in passing a moment ago, when your relationship with God is bad, there is nothing you can do about it. When you have rebelled against Him, when you have transgressed His law, when you have offended God, there is nothing, absolutely nothing you can do to fix that. But the good news is I always love that little guy, don't you? He pops up in my presentations quite a bit because he just makes me happy to look at him, okay? The good news is that the very kind of peace we most need, that relationship with God being put back together and it being okay between me and God, it is a gift. There's nothing we can do for it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We can't accomplish it ourselves. It is just something that God is willing to give to us. This goes back to the text we read. There is Jesus is talking to his disciples. Some of the last things he wanted them to hear before he left this earth and lived among them bodily was that he was going to give them his peace. Not the kind of peace that the world gives, but he says, my peace I give to you. It's a gift from God, one that he gives to us and he hopes that we will embrace it and we will Take it into ourselves and, and let it do its full work. Well, if that's true, and I believe it is, that the work of establishing peace between me and God has already been done by Jesus Christ, by God Himself, through the work of the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, as Jesus talks about there in John. Well, how do we get it into all this symptomatic stuff? How do we get it into ourselves, into the emotional part of ourselves? How do we let it become active and working and and calm us down and let us experience what it's like to have the peace of God? And how do we work it into our relationships where we do live at peace with the people around us? And, And as far as it depends on us, we're promoting healthy and good relationships. What do we do? What can we do? Now, that part we can work on. And there are some things that we can do to help us to progress in this and really embrace the wonderful gift of peace that God has offered. So let's look at that, experiencing the peace with God. One of the things that we can do is begin to obey God's word. Now right there you say, uh-oh, Tommy, you've been telling us it's a gift and now all of a sudden we've got to start keeping commandments. No, 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 that's the wrong way to think about it. The peace is there. And part of the peace that God gives us is by giving us what His will for us is. You know, you you can simplify theology sometimes. You can oversimplify it to where it really is saying something that's just too simplistic, to use that word enough, okay? But one truth is, is that this book is the Word of God. This book is holy in our lives. But another way to think of it, it is really kind of like an owner's manual for life. It, It really tells us how we best function and what is the best for us, how God designed us. I don't know, there may be some other weird guys in here like me that when you buy a new car, that doesn't happen very often for me, but I've had that pleasure at times and drive that brand new car home and park it in the garage. Usually that evening, I will wander out there to the garage, you know, and admire it again. But then I'll get out the owner's manual out of the glove compartment. And I'll walk in there and sit down and start going through it. Because even though I know basically how to operate a car and I know how to basically take care of a car, I want to know, well, this particular car, how does it best function? What do I need to do to keep it in tip-top shape so that it functions to its full capacity? Well, that's what this book does for us. When this book tells us these are things that are good for you, then we have to believe those are things that are good for us. And when it tells us these are things that are bad for you, we have to believe those are things that are bad for me. It's not just a rule that I might can break and then say, oh, I'm sorry, and get forgiveness and go on. It's eating us up because we're not treating ourselves, we're not treating our bodies, we're not treating our souls with the nurture that God intended for. We're not taking care of ourselves. God said it's bad to lie. Well, does that just mean because, you know, he said it's bad to lie, therefore, no, it's because it eats you up. If you're a person who does not live in truth and is not truthful with others, God said don't steal, don't kill, don't abuse your sexuality. Well, you know, there's a lot of voices in our world that say, well, this is okay and that's okay and that's okay. And as a disciple, you've got to make up your mind, well, who am I going to listen to? Who am I really going to trust that... This is the way that life best works. This is the way my body works. This is the way my soul works. These are the things I need to do. These are the things I need to be in order to experience the peace that I have with God so it becomes emotional peace and relational peace. There was a scripture I skipped over on that in Psalm 119, uh, verse 165. And I hate to skip that one because you rarely ever get to say verse 165, okay? Only in Psalm 119 can you say that. But Psalm 119 says this, Great peace have those who love your law. And when this becomes more to us than just sort of a guilt trip or something we're supposed to read, when it becomes our manual for life, then the peace of God becomes real to us. The second thing is accept God's forgiveness, Because even though you want to do what's right, even though you're reading what is right and your heart wants that, you're going to mess up. Trust me. I know. We're just not going to be able to do it all that we want to do. And sometimes our our heart wants to do one thing. Sometimes there's something in our life that we want to change. And before we finally do get it changed, we kind of bump into the wall several more times. And, you know, you're just going to not be able to do it perfectly. So what do you do then? Well, 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just. He will forgive us our sins. Now, to have peace, you have to accept that that is what has happened. Because so many times we will realize that we've messed up and we'll say, I'm sorry, God, I've done it again. And we'll wake up the next morning and we're still feeling guilty about it. And we drag that guilt and we drag that, that, that weight with us through that day, through the next day. I've talked to people that have carried weights. I think I told you this story one time. I didn't tell it the first service. Y'all get a bonus for coming late service. But one of the most moving experiences of my life was a man who, an elderly man, who came to see me when I was over in East Texas, and uh, he said, in fact, he gave me permission to share his story. Uh, he said, "Tell other people this if it will help them." But he came to me, and I didn't know him; had never met him before. And when he walked in my office, he sat down and he just broke into tears. I mean, not just tears, but sobs, where his whole body was just heaving. And I just sat there and waited for five, ten minutes until he could get himself together and tell me his story. And his story was basically this, that he married right before World War II, before he was shipped over to Europe. And uh, he and his wife got married and he got shipped overseas and he was there for three years or more. And during that time, one time... He was unfaithful to her. And he said, you know, the moment it happened, I began to realize I'd done wrong. And I began to pray to God to forgive me. And when I got back, I gave my wife everything I could. I gave her my whole self. And I, I, I have worked all these years. And this was in the 1990s. This was 50 years later. And he said, I still feel guilty. You don't have to. The sin has been forgiven. I appreciate his heart in giving his wife the best life that he could give her, but he was still carrying the weight. And we can do that too. We can carry the weight of sins forgiven. Now, that doesn't mean that repentance and confession are not important, it doesn't mean that sorrow for sin is not important. But once repentance has been done, once confession has been done, once the plea has been made to God for forgiveness, then we have to accept that we are forgiven and move on and experience the peace of God. Another thing we do is focus on God's presence. Psalm 46 was written during a very turbulent time of Israel's history. It says, The mountains are shaking, the whole world is changing, what do we do? And in verse 10 it says... Be still and know that I am God. I want to challenge you. See how many times during a day you can become aware that God is with you. Now, I know that if someone says God's with you, you say, oh, yeah, I know. But how many times can you make that happen in your life where you just realize God's right here? Driving down the street, hang up the phone and think about God. Okay, (laughs) think about that. He's there, that he's there with me in this car, that he loves me. And whenever you're at work or whenever you're at home, whenever you go to bed, whenever you wake up in the morning, as many times as you can, let your mind go back to the fact that God is there for you and with you, that you live within his presence. And the more times you realize that he is there for you and that he is with you, then the more you are opening your heart to let the peace of God, the peace with God, become real and true in your life. Another thing is to trust God's purpose. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. You know this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Isn't that marvelous? Trust that God has a purpose for you and that he cares about you and he will lead and he will guide you. And when you're in the midst of things that that are just ripping you apart, recognize that if you will put your hand your life in the hands of God, that he really will embrace that life and he will lead and guide. A good illustration of this is a story that we know well in all the gospels. It's told about, well first three Gospels. It's told about whenever the disciples are riding in the boat with Jesus. And these guys were fishermen. They had grown up out on this sea and they knew what it was like to get caught in a storm, but they got caught in a storm that scared them silly. And they just knew they were gonna sink. They knew they were all dead. Well, at this time, Jesus was asleep in the boat. Now there he is asleep, and they're all going, Ah, you know, we're gonna die, we're all gonna die. And finally someone goes and they grab Jesus and they start shaking him and they ask him a very impertinent question and say, Don't you care? Don't you care that we're all going to die here? One of those sailors was a man named Peter. You knew that. And years later, we read in the book of Acts that Peter has been arrested. He and James, his friend, James has been beheaded, executed. He's gone. And Peter is in jail waiting to be executed the very next day. God sends an angel to get Peter out of prison. And when the angel walks into the prison to let Peter out, he has to poke him in the ribs to wake him up. The night before he was to die, He was sound asleep. He had learned his lesson that his life was in the hands of his Lord, and he could trust his Lord to take care of him. And whatever might come his way, whether it be the executioner's sword or an open prison door, was okay because he was following the purposes of God. One more ask for peace. You know the passages. That if you ask, you shall receive. And then in James it says, you don't have that because you didn't ask for it. Now there are lots of things we can ask God for that we don't get. We know that. All of us have prayed for things and wondered where they were. And there's lots of explanations for that. Uh, You know, some people say God answers every prayer. Sometimes his answer is no. Well, yeah, maybe so. But God is going to give us the things that are good for us. He's going to give us the things that will benefit us. And there are some things that if we ask for, He will always bring to our lives. And one of those is peace. Philippians chapter 4 speaks of this when he says, Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we don't have just because we forgot to ask. Sometimes we don't have because we've tried to get it in the ways that aren't going to bring us peace. But the source of peace is God himself, our relationship with him. And whenever we ask him, the Prince of Peace, the God of Peace, to bring it into our lives, he's just looking for those opportunities and he's waiting for us to ask. Certainly foundational peace is peace with God. We can't gloss over that. We can't just jump on down to the part where we're just sitting and we feel so peaceful and we're living at peace with others. It begins with having our lives restored, being redeemed, being made right with God. It is a gift, but a gift that must be received. It's a gift through his son, and we must put his son on in baptism and in faith in order to embrace this wonderful gift. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. Some of our church leaders will be standing around this room, and if you are needing the peace of God and it needs to begin with being right with God, well, come and let us help. Let's stand and sing.